Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with, looking around the room, Melissa Cavanaugh first. Howdy. And Peter DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And Miazha Bokikia. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about something that Pete wrote a blog about, which is five million reasons why people unsubscribe from your emails. And we're going to go through each one in detail. Yeah, we'll spend at least five minutes on each one. So that is a lot of minutes. But no, we're doing five of the largest reasons why. And email marketing is still the number one form of marketing you can be doing as a hotel if you do it correctly. The ROI on that is phenomenal, especially if you're in a repeat destination. You have a, a, a large number of repeat guests. You have to be doing email well. A lot of people are doing it well, but there's a lot doing it not perfectly. And we're here to help you perfect the art and craft of marketing. So we're going to be digging into that. But before we do, let's see what's going on in the news, Misha. So I have an article from Travolution.com. And it is entitled, Breakwell Tips Amazon and Facebook as Travel Disruptors, which kind of gives away the point of the entire article, but just to provide some more details. Um, Breakwell is the CEO or the founder of Expedia, and he was recently at a conference um, providing some insight on what his predictions are as far as who is going to be the next travel disruptor. I know we've talked a lot in the podcast about how Airbnb has kind of been the go-to in the past probably two to three years as the biggest disruptor in the travel space. And in this article, he just provided some insight on his predictions and why he felt that Amazon and Facebook were really going to start moving into this space. And some reasons that he gives are Amazon, their Alexa product from a voice search perspective, they are kind of the front runners in this market. I know Google is really being aggressive in this space, but as far as what people have really adopted first, I feel like Amazon Alexa is still a little bit ahead in that game. And he spoke specifically to when people are searching for a flight, they're not via voice search looking to necessarily compare a bunch of stuff. They just want the best flight. They want whatever is most efficient, what works for them. Um, And he said this would really have a big impact, um, particularly for OTAs that are already dumping. And the number he threw out was $10 billion annually to appear in the top search results. So this could be a really competitive space for you to have the first paid voice results. So that was one reason he gave. And then looking at Facebook from a personalization perspective and how you can target people and get super personal. I mean, they, I can personally envision them having ads where you can dynamically insert perhaps their name or their location or different things. So that could be really interesting. And he also did comment on Airbnb and said, um, you know, there's been a lot of stink with them recently about hotels uh, pushing legislation to regulate some of what Airbnb is doing. And I thought the quote that he used was rather amusing. He said that hotels were farting against thunder by trying to stifle Airbnb's threat by demanding legislation. So I thought that was kind of amusing. And he had some interesting takes. So definitely go check out the full article and kind of see what his thoughts were on this. I'm curious as to what you guys think. You know, I think, you know, a while back, I kind of had differing opinions on how Amazon and Echo would be effective in travel in general, just because people aren't going to necessarily want to say, hey, Alexa, book me a flight here. But the more and more I think about it and the more and more Alexa and really Google Home to that point understands who specifically you are 
from a personalization perspective, I can see it understanding when I, when I say book a, hotel, a flight from Myrtle Beach to New York, it's going to understand my past booking behavior and really match a the best flight for me. So it could actually work pretty well, and I could see it being a massive disruptor. Sure, especially if the technology gets to the point where it could ask you qualifying questions. So, you know, okay, I need a flight from Myrtle Beach to Boston. Okay, what dates do you need to travel? What time are you looking at, morning, afternoon, or evening? If it gets to the point where it can help narrow down those results, it says, okay, I've got a flight on spirit at this time. Do you want me to book it for you? Yes, go ahead and book it. And it uses your account information that's already in there. If it can be conversational like that, it would be a massive disruptor to yes. oh, tra- traditional web experience. We are in the middle of a warfare going on that I don't think people realize. And that is the, it, it's bigger than the space race was. It's, it's the race for artificial intelligence in controlling not just voice conversational searches, but everything we do. And Google, if you watched any of Google I.O. this past week, they are big on AI. They, there is a lot of development going into AI. In, in this, I, I was watching an interview after IO where they were talking to the VP of engineering and he said you know within 20 years we're going to have computers that are smarter than the human brain and AI is going to be a real thing where our our voice activated devices are going to be able to have real conversations with us right now we all know that 90% of what we try to ask Echo or Siri or if anyone's asking Cortana 90% of what we ask them, it just doesn't understand or doesn't provide really great utility, right? But we're we're very, very rapidly approaching this era where machines are going to be smart. And when we think about how we consume travel, and let's use flights because it's simpler, but the factors that we're considering are when do I need to be there and how much distance is there from the from the airport to where I need to be and how am I going to travel there and how what's my layover and how much does it cost and am I going to have to stay overnight? There's all this myriad of factors that we're considering as humans, right? We can discern that. Well, through machine learning and data mining and predicting, predictive analytics, things like that, these machines are going to be able to do that kind of critical thinking that they can't do today. Within the next 10, 20 years, they're going to be able to do that. So we're just going to be able to say, I'm going to be at this meeting in New York at this time, book me a flight. And they're going to be able to look at all the factors that, that would normally be a consideration and just do it. You know, that whoever gets there first is going to dominate. It could be Amazon. It could be Google. It could be Apple. It could be something that Elon Musk's working on that we don't know because he's a genius. But that is that is the future of travel. We're such an instant gratification society now. I think people forget Siri was put on the iPhone in 2010. Yeah, it's less That's than a decade only old. been, yeah, seven years. Oh, and I, was, all, I was sitting here thinking like, God, she's been a thing for seven years and she still well, sucks. Yeah, but think about it. You know, <laughs> she sucked when, more when you seven had, years ago. You know, oh, car, when the car was first invented, seven years in, it was still just a, a novelty, which is kind of what search is, voice search is now. And it's getting past that point, but it's only been really seven years that it's been getting adopted. And it's already changing so many things that we do in our lives that seven years from now, who knows where it's going to be. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw this too. Amazon have released a couple of uh, evolutions of the Echo product. So in the last couple of weeks, I don't think that you can actually get them until June. But the uh, Echo Show and the Echo Look. 
both of which have screens on them now. So I've this, seen that. So this is the, the, and I might get this backwards, but I believe the look is it take, it's meant for your bedroom and you, it takes photos easy, not those kind of photos. But when you put, when you sure, get, that we okay. know of, when you get dressed in the morning and you put on an outfit, it, it's kind of, it's a vertical screen and it'll take a photo of the outfit you're wearing. So you can look at yourself in 360 and what you're wearing, but you can also take two different photos of different outfits and ask Amazon Echo which outfit should you wear and it's going to compare wow. the colors that you're wearing to current fashion trends I and make recommendations with this product and stuff. a little bit it, it, it's supposed to even analyze uh, how it fits you things like that is it tight so this is a product that I, I don't know if I would personally use. I have zero style. I'm wearing a Star Wars t-shirt right now. Well, that's good news though because they're coming out with the male romper. And True. they just need to buy Amazon and the romper need to work together. That's and right. Stuart, you could be wearing one of those you tomorrow. Could. If there was a Star Wars romper, I would consider it. But um, just a regular Paisley pattern, probably not. <laughs> but the other one, the show is more interesting, right? So the Amazon show has a larger screen, but it's it's what Echo really needs. Because there's a lot of stuff where we need visual response when we ask it, right? So now if I want to um, ask it the weather can show me as well as read it to me but more importantly now if I want to see the latest trailer for a movie it can show me it can actually show a YouTube video on there or it can give me results that I read like if I ask for a recipe or something like that so I think uh, ultimately oh and they've got video conferencing as well built into it now so it's going to become a product that has a lot more utility for the for the consumer I think what we're going to see is the dots and the current echoes are going to be kind of put to the background in other rooms within the house for playing music and asking simple questions. But you know, that the hub rooms, the living rooms, the kitchens, I think a lot of people are gonna be moving to these visual versions of Echo, which is for me is a huge sigh of relief in terms of we've been really freaked out to a lot of degree because we don't know what's gonna be a surplus search experience. Like how do we get in front as marketers, how do we get in front of someone if they don't see results if they only hear one result you know that that's really scary because it's going to be a bidding war and a cost of acquisition is going to go up so i'm glad echo, echo is going in this direction i hope it takes off it's pretty well priced too i think the 299 uh, I think it's two twenty nine right now. Oh, sorry, two twenty nine. Right. Yeah. So uh, the the regular standard Echo is one seventy nine. So this is only fifty bucks more. You can get the one with the the screen, and I'm sure on Prime Day they're going to be selling the crap out of it. See, I see that almost as a combination of the original Echo and a tablet, which I think yeah. I agree it's a smart move because I can see a lot more utility for having the visual component. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and we are on a hotel marketing podcast. So in terms of booking a hotel via one of these contraptions, it's much more likely. I mean, most people, if they haven't been to a hotel, they're going to want to see some pictures. They're going to want to see some video. Yeah. They're not just going to talk to a machine and say, book me this room if they've never been there before. So right. I think this becomes really helpful. I think there's a difference between what we primarily discuss a lot of times with a destination marketer versus a business traveler. I mean, I could see if you've got your Hilton account or whatever and you travel all the time, you're just like, book me a room at this Hilton because I know it's Hilton and I have points there and it's fine. But I do agree that for a lot of people, they're going to want that peace of mind. Yeah. I didn't know about the Echo show until right now. 
And I want one so bad. Yeah, it's really cool. I can I think, think of a thousand things. You can pre-order it now, and there's the payment plan as well. So. Or since we've plugged it so heavily, if Amazon wants to send us some samples that we can continue to plug it, that would be ideal. I'm pretty well, sure everyone what, listens from can, Amazon. If you order two at the same time, you save 100 bucks. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, it. we could both order one. Yeah, because if you, if you buy together, mm-hmm. you know, two or more at the same time, you'll receive 100 bucks off with the coupon code SHOW2PAC. Not wow. not the rapper, but S H O W the number two P A C K. I think I'm just gonna appoint myself to our podcast business development person and just try to get us free stuff. Okay, I like it. Go for it. Yeah, anyone wants to send us free stuff, we're happy yeah. to. I mean, I'm it. still on the wine train, but also just you know, we we can work out some things. We'll start doing some on air reads, throwing out some promo codes. Yeah, we'll, we'll review gadgets. If yeah. anyone wants to send us technology and gadgets, totally do it. Gadgets and wine. You heard it here first. <laughs> but that, that. Or we can use your gadget while we're drunk to see if it still works for the tipsy consumer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Does your hotel website work when your people are buzzed? Beer goggles. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Right, I think we probably have some more news. We do. I have an article from skiff.com, and it is TripAdvisor scales back instant booking in strategy reversal. Coincidentally, that is exactly what this article is about. Uh, TripAdvisor, according to Skift, has um, Skift has noticed that at the end of April, they seem to be scaling back significantly on showing or highlighting the instant book feature that has been rolled out for some time now. Uh, we know that when this first came out, TripAdvisor said they were losing money on it, so I'm not entirely sure this is a surprise. But the article is saying that by dramatically rolling back instant booking, it would boost TripAdvisor's revenue $50 million to $100 million annually because of the MetaSearch conversion advantage over instant booking. So I think it's interesting to see that this was such a big thing and now they're pulling back on it. And I'm curious to see if they're just going to eventually do away with it. But I, uh, I don't know. I feel like they're testing a lot of things and I agree with the premonition that perhaps they are trying to make themselves as profitable and look as good as possible on the books because they're trying to be acquired. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way. Yeah, I think there's been so much backlash in the last couple of years because of their financial statements. They're a publicly traded company, right? They have state shareholders oh, yeah. that they have right. to answer to and, and revenues have been going in the opposite direction and when you look at the OTAs whose profits and revenues have been going up, TripAdvisor has been struggling. And and I think this, you're right, Misha, I think there's no question most people in the industry tend to believe that TripAdvisor wants to set themselves up to be purchased outright by one of the, the big two. and uh, But they've got to maintain profitability mm-hmm. in order to do that. I think they were going all in on this instant book ride just because they thought at the end of the day, if it worked, they would get a bigger slice right. of the pie. But it... It's just they haven't gotten to that critical mass point yet because we we still look at clients that are using both instant booking and um, the trip connect and instant bookings it it's it's doesn't fraction. have the it doesn't have the volume yeah yeah it, it doesn't and you're paying a flat twelve percent typically yeah. or fifteen Tw- you know twelve or fifteen percent well I, so I'd recommend if you're paying fifteen percent stop right now and change it to twelve percent because it makes no difference in your exposure. You, you're just wasting 3%. But yeah. I forgot what I was going to say now. But you know, basically, it's, it's a flat 12%. They're competing against the OTAs. They're not getting as many clicks. 
And you know, if they're able to save 50 to 100 million, this is going to happen. Stuart, to your point, they cannot allow that revenue opportunity to go you know, not taken care of. Yeah, and if you look at what Priceline has paid in, in the past for their acquisitions, they pay a premium, but it's always based on EBITDA, right? Which their revenue and their profitability is going to be a big factor in ultimately what they can sell for. So an extra $50 million, if you look at, I want to say Priceline when they bought Open Table, they paid something like 30 times EBITDA, right? So if you can increase that by $50 million, 50 times 30 is a big chunk of extra change, right? So it, it makes sense. This could be this could be a signal that the, the purchase of TripAdvisor is closer than we think. You heard it here first? Mm-hmm. Well, probably not. It's probably on every show anyone ever talks no, about. No, you got to come out confidently. You heard it here first. Yes. Officially, tomorrow, <laughs> whenever you listen to this podcast, TripAdvisor is going to get bought tomorrow so if you listen to this in 2017 or 2018 TripAdvisor is going to get bought tomorrow and if you're listening to it and that hasn't happened it's because you're listening to it too early (laughs) well it's always tomorrow that's true you have to listen to it again the day before it actually sells and then it works so let's talk about our topic emails so pete you you uh put together this blog post which is pretty nice hotelmarketing.com picked it up and uh we've gotten some good feedback from the twitter sphere on it so you want to kind of throw it out there, what, what this blog post was about? Yeah, so this blog post is about five reasons why people are unsubscribing from your hotel emails. We've already established, and typically you, you already know as a hotelier, that email is your number one tool in driving revenue. It is your past guest history. It is the hottest leads that you have. You really want to make sure you're making the most of your email newsletter. The problem becomes when you don't manage your email the best you possibly can and you start seeing your unsubscribe rate starting to climb and climb and climb. What happens is you're really excited because you added 100 new subscribers this week and then you look at your email performance and you realize that you lost 150 people to being unsubscribed. So what can you do to reverse that trend? And there's really, like Stuart said, there's 5 million things you can do to improve and reduce your unsubscribe rate. We're not going to make you listen to a four-day-long podcast, so we've really just boiled it down to top five things that you can do. And that's really what we're going to cover today. Now, there's more information on the the blog itself, which will be linked from our show notes, and you kind of throughout the the Twitter sphere and everywhere else we're, we're posting it. But take a look at that. That'll have more information for you. But what we're going to do is go and start diving into these five items, talk about them a little bit, and hopefully at the end of it, you'll be able to succeed in email. Oh, I'm excited. So let's kick off. What What is the number one? The number one thing you can do is make sure that you're not sending too much or too little. So I think a lot of people fall to the I'm sending too much category. And we see this where because it does work so effectively you know, it's kind of like a, it's a lightsaber or it's not a lightsaber, should I say. It can do a lot of great things. It can drive your revenue. But if that's the only tool that you're using, it's going to eventually come back and hurt you from, you know, performance perspective. You know, we have some clients who have found that they can, there's actually several groups of hotels that are sending almost on a weekly basis to their database. And they only have a 0.05% unsubscribe rate which is fantastic. You know, that's for the number of sins that they're sending. And you're talking about databases of 60,000 plus you, that's fantastic. They're still seeing great return. They're still seeing revenue come in, 
but they're also handling the list in the proper way. We have other clients who may only send once or twice a year and see an unsubscribe rate of two, three, or 4%, which is a big you know, red flag. So what is that proper balance? That's really the biggest thing that, that we come across. Yeah, and, and um, frequency, looking for that Goldilocks number, it's, it's going to be different for every property, right? There's not a magic everyone should send exactly every 13.2 days, right? That, that just There isn't. You've got to experiment and test. And I think what's really critical is it depends on the value of what you're sending, right? If you Don't ever get in the habit of, oh, man, I have to send an email this week and I don't have content, so I'm just going to... And we'll talk about mm-hmm. that in a little more, right? But people get into that habit of worrying too much about when they're sending and not what they're sending. We'll talk about that, like I said, in more depth. But there is a big caveat to this whole thing of frequency, right? And that is how much you're personalizing the message and how, how you know, what you're doing right now is relevant to the individual. An example I'll give you, we have clients, especially over things like Cyber Monday, or they've even created their own hyper-focused sales, say uh, beginning of, the, a lot of them are doing it at New Year's now. Some are doing it at, right before the season kicks off, end of March, something like that. But they'll create a event around the fact that they're giving deep discounts and they'll do countdowns to that. So in a given week, an individual could receive many, many emails. In, in some cases, I've seen seven, eight, nine emails sent in a week because people are doing these countdowns. If it's done right, that can be effective. So don't get hung up on, I can only send this many. Now, be be sensible about it. Think of people as individuals, not as your list of 60,000 email addresses, right? Think about how many times is Pete DeMeo receiving a message and how relevant is that message to him? But again, it, it's going to be Melissa's advice, which is always be testing. Yes, I agree with that. I've definitely had situations where the opposite of that, where... I've either knowingly or unknowingly because sometimes you'll go to conferences and then they hand out the list to all the vendors and whatever. So I've either way, I've been on a list, but I won't get an email for maybe six months. Then all of a sudden I get an email. I'm like, who is this? Like, why am I on this list? So I do agree that there needs to be, you know, and there's a whole welcome email, subscribe, all this stuff, but there needs to be some type of consistency and once or twice a year is not going to do it for you. But even just considering what type of hotel you are, because I've had situations where I've gone out of town for a wedding and I'll stay at a hotel in a smallish town that I'm never going to travel to again. And they're bombarding me with emails. And it's like, why? (laughs) Like you have to understand like why people are coming there, what your email goals are, like where your destination is, who your clients are to really formulate, okay, why am I hitting them? What's the value proposition? And that's where testing is so important. If you're sending once a month, try going to a, you know, every two weeks, you know, send schedule and see how that impacts your unsubscribe rate. See how that impacts your actual revenue because all the other metrics, obviously unsubscribe is important, but open clicks, all that is really a byproduct to what you're actually trying to do, which is drive revenue. You know, so look at all that combined to Stuart's point to when we would do those, you know, countdown type events, you absolutely see it take a hit in terms of unsubscribe rate. But the question becomes, is is that unsubscribe threshold worth the additional revenue that you generate? And as long as you're working on giving good content to people, when you do ramp up your frequency for an un, for you know a countdown, yeah, you're gonna get some unsubscribes. But if your revenue matches and you've created a good list, 
you know, people are going to be more accommodating for, you know, one week blitz over the course of a year. Yeah. And then back to what you said about not sending frequently enough. I think to Misha's point about if you're traveling out of town and it's a one-off or you're not going to go very often, you know, my kids do travel soccer. And so we'll go to random towns where there's tournaments and stuff like that. Honestly, half the time I forget where I stayed. And there was a, a situation last year where we we're going back to a tournament that we'd been to the previous year. And I was, I could swear up and down that we'd stayed at Holiday Inn Express. And I was going through my email trying to find the reservation because it was a good experience. We liked the hotel. Couldn't find it. Then all of a sudden dawned on me, it may not have been the Holiday Inn Express. So I had to go back and start my whole search again on TripAdvisor and finally stumbled upon it was actually a quality inn that we had stayed at. So I just completely forgot. And we'd stayed there for two nights. I, I didn't remember what property it was. So don't assume just because someone stayed with you, they know who you are or they're going to recall you a year from, from that day. So had that had that quality in, certainly not bombarded me, but if, if they had been smart, what they would have done is known that I was going there for the soccer tournament, know that that same soccer tournament was going on the next year and send me an email an appropriate time before the soccer tournament saying, hey, are you coming to the tournament again? Would you like to stay with me again? That would have been really smart as well as had they sent me follow-up emails after the stay asking me how it was and you know thanking me for the stay but i had no there was no brand loyalty with me i, I didn't know even though i had a great experience they were lucky that I, I went and did all the work to stay there again but yeah they could have made it a lot easier for me right yeah that's where the personalization is so important if it said Stuart, we see that you probably only want to receive the emails two times a year you know, right before your next stay and you address them by name and you really connect, then you're not going to have to go through TripAdvisor and be exposed to all those other options of other hotels or booking that hotel through an OTA. Right. Yeah. They're lucky I'm cheap because if I was not cheap, I would have probably stayed at the Holiday Inn Express or well, something Well, you thought you did anyway. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it was not the best property, but we had a great experience. The room was clean. You know, it, it had everything we needed for the eight hours a night we were in the hotel rooms to sleep to go back to the soccer tournament at 7 a.m. So, yeah. All right, what's number two? Your content is boring. Snooze, snooze, snooze. Wait, are you talking about the podcast? No. Because our, our content, content is exhilarating. We have the best content anywhere. Hello. That's right. We have a review later where we it's going to even mention how awesome that is. You don't send boring emails, please. You know, you've done your job. Hopefully you've got a good database with quality subscribers. You've gotten somebody with a great subject line to actually open the email, but then meh. You have to have a reason to send an email. Like whether it's you're offering a deal or there's been renovations or updates or you have something new to offer. Like there has to be a reason you're sending. Oh, I, I still exist. My hotel is still here. Yeah. Don't forget. We exist. Like, eh. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a surefire way of someone. If, if you're at a party and someone's just talking nonsense and not bringing any value, you're going to walk away from that person and go talk to someone more exciting. Is that why you don't get invited to parties? Unless, unless they're really hot. And I might. Mm, well, that's true. Yeah. So if you're a really hot hotel, you can yeah. probably get away with it more yeah. than others. But that person still has content you're interested in. Mm-hmm. It may just not be. It may just be a picture. Yeah. Oh. So you're the hot hotel yeah. or you, ha- you just have a really great content. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> but either way, people are subscribing to your email for exciting, invigorating content that's going to make them want to travel. And if you just drop the ball on that, no matter how great your property might be, if you've bored them to tears, they're going to hit the unsubscribe button. Yeah, and think think about it from each individual consumer's perspective, right? It, say I'm a person that travels on a, on a beach vacation once a year in July every year. Then the, the content that's relevant to me for nine months of the year is going to be different than what's relevant to me for the three months where I'm really anticipating that vacation. Right. So there's, there's stuff I can be sending that person. I could be in, sending them stuff to encourage them to share photos. I could be sending stuff to, to solicit feedback. I could be trying to inspire them to to make an additional shorter st- weekend stay if they're in a certain geographic region. But this is where you've got to really try to get personalized with the content and understand the individual and not just go out with a spray and pray mentality that says, the worst thing you can do is say to your entire database, here's a very limited special offer that is not going to be relevant to most of you, but I'm hoping that 2% of you are actually going to book it because that's going to do nothing but alienate the majority of your database. So we see that all the time where someone will put out a special, but it has such steep restrictions, like it's only for this upcoming weekend, but you know that 90% of your guests are a flight away you know, or live out of state. They're not going to drop everything and come this weekend just because you have a deal. So why are you sending them that message? Send them something that's more relevant, that isn't as restrictive. And that's where, kind of going back to the earlier point of personalization, you know, if you have a deal for this weekend, well, you need to send that out. If, if you need the, the inventory filled, you need to do that. But think about it in terms of, okay, so what's my drive radius? And target those people. And then send the other people who are outside that radius you know, something else. One thing that or don't send them anything at that particular time. True, or don't send them anything. Uh, the other thing that you can do is not always try to sell your property, but try to re- reward people for being on your list. So if, Stuart, you're only going to one a beach destination, say, once a year, well, the other times when you're not planning on traveling, open up the email and we're always going to give away a great gift pack to one subscriber and encourage people to still be engaged with your emails so when they're ready to book, they're already training themselves to open up every email because if you don't open up the email, you don't know if you've won Take message. Yeah, give them give them a, a prize every time yeah. they open, like not a physical prize, but give them something of value, you know, and that mm-hmm. could be in the form of a deal. It could be in the form of they get to enter something. It could be just something nice that you're you're providing for them. Or the opportunity for them to share their photos, like I said earlier. But yeah, I agree. I think I think you have to have a reason to open the email if you're a consumer. And unless mm. you as a hotel are giving them that reason, then they're either going to sp- spam complain you or unsubscribe. Yeah. Of all the things that are on this top five list, this is the one that takes the most work. But it's also the only reason people are truly subscribed to your messages to start with. Yeah, they, they're not sitting around bored at home and saying, you know, what can I do for entertainment tonight? I want to read emails, right? That's not... You don't do that? No, it's, it's not email and chill, but right? My, but my hotel's hot. <laughs> With assets. Yeah. Um, but no, it, you know, it treat, treat the list as a group of individuals, not as a number, you know? And I think your, your whole approach is going to shift. Amen. What's next? So number three is you're playing the bait and switch game. So 
you entice people to sign up to get great deals and then you never send them a great deal. So whatever your, your value proposition is when people are signing up for your email list, and that could be multiple things. It doesn't just have to be deals, but make sure you're delivering that. Yeah, it could be news and events in the area, especially to, to local people. But I think the important part is, one, being clear. What What is the value proposition when someone signs up? And then reinforcing that with a welcome message. Thank you for signing up. Here's what you're going to expect. Here's the content you're going to expect. Here's the frequency that you're going to expect. But that maybe we'll send more frequently from time to time. But give them choices. And then deliver on that. That's the critical part, right? Do what you say you're going to do. If you don't, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I think we'll get into a little bit of this in a little bit, but I'm a big fan of companies who you sign up for their email and then the first email they send you or even before they send to you on their subscribe list, you can choose what type of emails you want. You can choose your frequency. Like I'm a big fan of that. I would rather do that up front than start getting crappy emails and just unsubscribe. Yeah, get get the expectations set and, and solicit what their expectations are from them. I think it's very valuable at that point. Yeah, to me, this is a very important one because this is the first time you're able to establish credibility with your guest. And if you say you're going to do one thing in your email and you don't do it, is that person going to book at your property and expect to get a great stay? Because you told them you were going to do one thing in email and didn't do it. Are you going to say one thing and then not deliver when they're at the property as well? This is your credibility, and this is where you need to start building that trust so you have that person become a guest in the future. It's like they book on your, you go on your website, pull out your booking engine, select uh, a queen bed for the room that they're going to book, book it. They show up, and there's an air mattress on the floor. (laughs) Okay? You wouldn't even consider doing that. But you're doing the same thing with email when you set an expectation and you don't deliver on it. These are individual people. These aren't numbers on a list. So knock it off. Yeah. Quit it, dude. (laughs) That brings us to number four, which is to me the one that really gets my goat. Let me explain. There are subscribers who should never, ever, ever, ever even be on your email marketing list. And here's why. Just like I always say that a key performance indicator to your website is more traffic, a key performance indicator on your email subscription list is not the size of your database. It's the quality of your database that counts. Let's say you decide you want to get more people on your database and you decide to run a contest on Facebook and you drive all these awesome people to sign up for your contest on Facebook and all those people get entered into your database. Well, what the heck happened to those people? They did not enter to specifically sign up for your deals. They did not enter that contest to get all the great content that you now know you need to send. They signed up to win something. So I really, really hope that you're using an email tool that allows you to segment those people and follow those people and see what these people, once they signed up, what have they done for you? Are they still subscribed? What has the bounce rate been? Have they ever opened an email? Have they ever clicked on an email? And for heaven's sake, did they ever book anything with you once they subscribed? And I I think it's deeper than that, right? Because not only are they not valuable to you? They're hurting you they, potentially. They hurt you, the, the people that are valuable right. to you. And the reason is, if you look at most web-based 
spam uh, web-based email platforms now use gmail as an example when i got get an email that i don't want right next to my archive button is a big button that says spam and if i click that and report that this message is spam and if eno enough people are doing that that's reported back to your in to the it's obviously recorded at the isp level but it can also be reported back to my email service provider level so not only now may google block me but also my email provider might start saying you're spamming and right. limit your ability to send as well. So if you're sending to people that should not be receiving your email, then people that should be receiving your email are not going to see it as, as frequently. So you've got to be really, really careful who you sign up for your list. And we no. recommend warming those people up. You need a whole different strategy for something like that than you would somebody who has come to your website and clicked, yes, I want to opt into your deals. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, so many hotels don't want to adopt a true double opt-in email acquisition strategy because it is a lot of work from a subscriber's perspective. But for any time you have contest leads, third-party leads, you have to get a real explicit opt-in. Otherwise, they don't know what they're getting. They're going to be disappointed. They're going to get frustrated that they have a spammer. And if you're not going to necessarily go visit a spammer at a hotel if they think if you've already invaded their privacy and you shouldn't have been there. This to me is the exact same thing. And I'm going to get on a plinth for a moment, if you will. But when we go to conferences, I mean, we're in the marketing and tech space. So clearly we're dealing with savvy people that are aware that email segmentation technology exists. And you go to a marketing conference and then the vendors, part of their contract is they get the entire list of attendees yeah. and they mm -hmm. just add you to their list. And it's like, I'm not a lead. You know, I might have chatted with you for five seconds at a booth so you would give me the t-shirt that I wear to bed, but it's just, I'm not interested in your product. I'm not interested in your service. And it blows my mind that so many of these vendors, every time we go to events, they just add you to their list with everybody else. And it's like, that's not how you do it. So if any vendors are out there, please do not add me to your list if I see you at a conference. It even goes beyond that because it can be illegal as well. I mean, can spam is has really no weight behind it. You know, they say that you can get fined, you know, per instance of, you know, sending an email in the US. That's not the case in Canada and it's not going to be the case in the United States for very much longer. You know, if you're not abiding by, you know, Canada's can spam law which is called CASL or CASL, they are actively going after people who are sending unsolicited emails. They do not have that do not have an explicit opt-in and they're finding them and they've already fined several companies and email service providers for sending what they determine to be spam. So you have to be very careful of, hey, I have a great you know list of 10,000 people I've never met before. I'm gonna start, start blanketing, blanketing them with emails. You, know, you can get into a lot of hot water. Well, that's like the online version of, I remember when I was growing up that there was a legislation to where you know telemarketers couldn't call between certain hours, like at dinner hours or whatever. And it, there was like a big stink over that. So I think that's kind of the modern day equivalent of what you know what used to be people calling you at annoying times is people just emailing you. Right. Don't so, do it. Yeah, knock it off. And then the last one that we have on here is you really gave them no other choice. You know, people don't necessarily want to unsubscribe, but you didn't give them an option to take another course of action. And kind of what I mean is, you know, look at your unsubscribe process. If somebody is tired of getting emails, they click that little unsubscribe button. If all you do is say, thank you, you've been unsubscribed, you've 
failed not only your marketing and you've also failed the customer because if they just got back from a vacation at your property and you're sending them an email every two weeks, it's not that they don't like your information. It's just it's completely irrelevant to them for the next several months. So give them choices. When they click the, un click the unsubscribe button or if you have a nice you know, clear you know, update your preferences button and they're able to say, well, I only want to receive emails once a month or I want to take a break. Don't send me anything for the next six months. At least you still have that subscriber and you're going to be able to communicate with them. Once they hit that unsubscribe button and they truly unsubscribe, you're never getting them back. They're gone. Yeah, I think this is the second component to, you know, if you have the option with whatever technology you're using to let people set their preferences in advance, I think this is another component of that. Before you just unsubscribe and never see them again, give them an option. And I've definitely done that before with particularly with retailers who tend to send a lot of emails. It's like, all right, let me, before I stop hearing from you, let me see if I can adjust this so I hear from you when I actually want to hear from you. Yeah. I agree. Let's do that. Yeah. Follow the retailers. They, of all people, have really mastered the art of converting an unsubscribe to an altered profile. One that I really like is a website called Bonobos, which is just a, a clothing retailer. But when you try to unsubscribe from their newsletter, they have a very kind of you know tongue-in-cheek type form that says, how much Bonobos do you want in your life? And then you have a choice of six options. I'm all in. Send me everything you have to a few times a month. I like you, Bonobos. Just like. All the way down to unsubscribe, sniff, sniff. It's over for us, Bonobos. Making it fun, but giving them a lot of different options to throttle their sins does help a lot in reducing that rate of I do enjoy the conversational approach that they took to it to make it a little bit more lighthearted, not just the standard bland once a week, twice a week, once a month, twice a month. Yeah. Yeah, they make it fun. Yeah, and I've got I, some I personality. I think if you're going to do it that way and, and have a conversation and give them choice, then don't bury unsubscribe at the bottom because the bigger risk is if someone does want to leave your list, like we said earlier, is they, they click the spam button on their email platform client whatever they're using so you want to give them visible access to that profile manager and do it in a way that makes sense for them as well but yeah mm -hmm. giving choice is always the best one of my favorite executions of this is a really easy way to do it most email platforms uh, if they don't have it baked in you could set this up pretty easily but you basically say rather than frequency if i'm booking again once a year and i really don't want to see anything until january 1 uh, say when would you like us to start sending you messages again let them put in a date and then don't send anything again to them until that date well, expires snooze button. yeah it's a snooze button i think that that works really well for places that have you know single vacation per year kind of destinations i think that works well well pete that was a good little list well thank you like i said there's you know several million other ones but these are the ones that i think if you focus on improving these five items the rest will typically fall in line and you won't have an unsubscribe problem at all and we'll probably see your revenue. Yeah, and to me, to me, the thing that I took away from this episode more than anything else is that size doesn't matter. That's what I heard. That's right. Said so, every man ever. That's right. So uh, we got some housekeeping. So one, first, we're going to be at the high-tech conference on uh, from June 26th to June 29th in Toronto. So if you want to come by, Get some autographs. I'm just kidding. If you want to come by and learn more about what Fuel does, we're a full-service digital agency. 
We have software products like booking engines, mobile apps. We'll be talking a lot about our Guest Express mobile app at High Tech this year. So if you want to come by or book an appointment, then you can just send an email to info at fueltravel.com. And uh, we'd love to see you there at High Tech. Our booth is uh, 1911, 1911. So we'd love to see you at High Tech. And then Pete, I believe that we got another review. We did. We have what is titled easiest five-star rating good job fuel review which is pretty awesome that's by timmy dimples is his name i really hope that's his real name name. i I love that name so timmy dimples he sounds like a gangster yeah you know but like a cute gangster yeah yeah the lovable gangster (laughs) (laughs) anyway this is what timmy had to say timmy says tons of helpful information packed into a quick-paced episode Current issues and hot topics for sales and marketing hospitality industry in general. Useful tips, explanations, and discussion on things you need to know as a hotel professional in 2017. Great team and smart tactics. This show has easily become a weekly favorite. Info you can apply to improve your knowledge and your hotel's performance. Listen and get smart. Wink smiley emoji. Oh, man. Perfect use of emojis. Thank you, Timmy Dimples. You not only have left our favorite review, but you also have the favorite name of all the reviewers. But we would love to hear from the other listeners, too. If you would like to leave a review and we will read it out on the show, then please just go to iTunes. And it, it's kind of hard on the phone to find it. But if you actually search for Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, click on our podcast and then click Reviews tab. Then there's a little button that says Write a Review. And if you do that, we'll read it out on the show. And we may or may not make fun of your name. Who knows? Well, to be fair, of the last four or five reviews, we've kind of picked on their name a little bit. So we probably yeah. will. I mean, make fun to of be fair, name. though, like my name is Mishibo Kikio. Feel free to make fun of that because everybody else does. This is true. Uh, and the other, the other piece of housekeeping is, and, and you may want to get some Kleenex out for this. You are going to cry a little bit. But for the summer, uh, we are going to go to once every two weeks with the show versus every week. We just have very busy schedule servicing lots of clients and then uh, all the employees decided that they wanted to leave early on friday afternoons as well so we're doing that because we work at the beach and we want to be nice to our employees because happy employees happy life that doesn't rhyme but it's very true so our schedule is just not permitting us to do this show once a week because it takes a lot to to curate the content for the episodes and prepare and all that fun stuff so we are going bi-weekly from probably from now until labor day and uh but then we'll look at going back weekly after that see how it goes so if that really irks you or yanks your chain or gets your goat as melissa would say grinds your gears or grinds your gears then uh let us know you know if you really do miss it weekly then uh maybe you can persuade us but right now we're going to go to every two week uh schedule until later in the year but yeah i hate to leave on that bad note guys so let's let's cheer them up because I know they're all probably crying at home. you have any jokes? I do. I have one. All right, go for it. What's brown and sticky? <laughs> I don't know. What is brown and sticky? I know A what my kids stick. would say. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> what did you expect? Come on. Dad jokes yes. by Misha Pakikio. Yes. Thanks, everyone. So hopefully that cheered everyone up. But this was episode 54. You can get the notes for the show at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 54. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Hey, before we go. Oh, what? Can, can I tell them where they can find me at? <laughs> oh, I didn't do that, did no. I? Yeah. Man, it's because it's we didn't do one last week. I'm all discombobulated.
We'll get you back on track. All right, Pete, where can they find you on the web? They can find me on Twitter at PDiMeo, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Misha. You can find me on Twitter at Marketing Misha. That's at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. Me is her. And Melissa. You can find me on Twitter at M-A Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. We would love to have a little chat with you on Twitter. So feel free to send us questions and whatnot on those Twitter spheres, and we'll do our best to respond. And until next time, for real this time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. No, 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 no. Yes.